Hello, everyone. What is going on? This is Luke Carey, and you are listening to episode 217 of Catching Foxes. 217. What's wrong with you people that you have allowed this to continue for this long? I just don't understand. Uh, so this is a really fun episode for a bunch of reasons. One, I'm editing, so you're in my power now. And two, this is the third time I've had to record this intro because I decided to listen to Wu-Tang while I was giving it, getting everything together. And I unplugged my mic to be able to uh, just get more comfortable while I was doing some stuff. And I forgot to plug it back in. So I thought I recorded this, this intro twice and I wasn't because the mic wasn't even plugged in. Again, this is episode 217 and that just happened. So buckle up, buckaroos. Uh, this is a fun chat. We have a good, uh, we, you know, we've talked a lot about community and urban areas and suburban areas, but we have a conversation about that that starts with nostalgia and gets really interesting. And we kind of haven't talked about it in this way. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy that. We uh, talk about some of the John Kristoff, some of the horrible things that have been going on with that. And we have a few other good chats as well. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy this. It's just me and the Gormley, and it's a really good time. As uh, as we've been doing for the, these past couple of weeks, this episode is sponsored by Catholic Social Dot Media. Just want to thank them again for sponsoring this this episode of Catching Foxes. Also, want to thank everyone over at our Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash cf. Uh, to be blunt, you guys are, are the reasons why we're able to keep this thing going at the rate that we do and be able to uh, put out a podcast every week. It is because of you guys. And it would be impossible for us to find the time to be able to do this uh, had it not be had it not if you guys were n- were not supporting us. So a big big thank you to everyone on Patreon. I think I'm hitting everything. Um, if uh, we are starting to book live shows this this year for 2020, so if you are interested in doing that, head over to catchingfoxes.fm. Hit, hit the link where we do that. And yeah, so I want to thank Catholic Social Dot Media again for for uh, sponsoring this episode. And good luck, because I'm this is going to be this is going to be an episode edited by me. So who knows what's what's going to happen? Luke, roll the thing. And that's from the Nerdist podcast. And I probably shouldn't have done that. Okay, we're already off to a great start. Am I right? <laughs> Get excited, this is the podcast where Luke does the editing and it's gonna be very fun. This is the baseline, which is why I chose this song. I think that is really fun. Now here's the cool guitar part that Michael Gormley usually leaves out for you only hear it in the background, but I think it's really, really cool. Welcome to episode 217, oh, sponsored by CatholicSocial.media. We talk about a lot of cool stuff. I feel terrible. I just got this. Actually, I don't feel terrible. I got uh, Tony Vicinda, friend of the show, Tony Vicinda, Catholic Beard Bomb, and Project YM. He sends me a text. He's like, dude, you're going to be at NCYC. And I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, you're going to be at NCYC. I just saw your email in the, uh, in the, in the big um, AV email that went out to all the speakers. I'm like, what? No, no, I'm not. And he's like, yeah, look. And he screenshot, took a screenshot of all the email addresses and circled my name. And I'm like, oh, 
no. Did I say yes to something and forget about it? <laughs> so I maybe pooped myself at 4 or 5.30 in the morning yesterday. So I run downstairs, fire up my email. I told them, no, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. I, you know, whatever. And then uh, today, like, people are hitting reply all to this massive email. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. And then I went on their website. You know, NCYC is huge. The National Catholic Youth Conference, it's huge. Huge, huge, huge. <laughs> well, it used to be it's horrible. Liberal. It used to be. It's a lot, it's a lot better now. <laughs> Thanks to people like Domino. Um, yeah, no, it's true. It's very true. There are there, there are good people over it that are involved with that. I, and I feel free to bring me out. Luke Carey eighty three at gmail breakout speakers, which is what I'd be. But I was going through. I had to, I went through every single. I went through every no, single they round like of breakout speakers just to make sure my name wasn't on there, and it's not. So back to sadness. But good that I didn't screw everything up. Ah yeah, well. Uh, so, so I see you wearing your Matt Frat shirt again. My girth has surpassed its its ability to hide <laughs> that. Girth. Isn't that a dark moment? <laughs> like two things happen when a shirt that you enjoy yeah. becomes becomes an undershirt. One is the girth issue, which we've all been there. Uh, two is the exact opposite of that, and much more rare when you work out and it wants because you don't have a shirt to go uh, running, or in my case, go on the Peloton bike for that month. For that month. And so, uh, and you're like, well, this shirt's going to get really sweaty, and I probably shouldn't wear it again in public the way I do. But oh well. It's just going to ride up just above the belly button while I'm on that Peloton bike competing with Susan in Colorado Springs. (laughs) Take that, uh, Susan. I have this thing in order to try to become more active. I don't know if you can see it, Luke, but it's this hard plastic chair instead of my my normal office yeah. chair over there. This this is from my kid's uh, art room. And it hurts the human ass in so many ways. Um, and since I have said ass, uh, it forces me to stand up about every 40 minutes and just be like, you know what? Forget this. I need to walk. Because oh. Lord knows I tune you. out uh, I, um... the old Apple Watch telling me to get up. I'm like, nah, I don't care about that ring. <laughs> Go screw you, Tim Cook. You've really screwed oh, up uh, Mac OS, so, so I'm done right now. Uh, I, uh, I've just got old reliable that I was able to get because of our Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash CF. Again, that's patreon.com slash CF. Uh, I would just like to take this time to talk to you guys really quick about one of our levels on Patreon. We talked about that last last week, but we changed it up <laughs> ever so slight of a dollar of the ten giving level is now called Gimme Gimme Gimme. <laughs> if you want to give at the ten dollar level, which again is gimme gimme gimme, this means that you need well intended yet occasional ex- extra content, access to extra material that's usually a bit too much for precious Catholic ears. The occasional on B side episode and all previous rewards, which includes our gratitude and a sticker that will alive that will arrive much later than expected. Anywho, thank you to everyone who has supported <laughs> us at the gimme 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 level. Back to the chair that people from patreon.com slash CF were, were able to get me. Uh <laughs> that was smooth. 
Luke, that was, that was so subtle. <laughs> That's pure Luke Carey right there. Little too oh, on the nose. Nice. nice. Little, little too attached and really should have um, given up earlier and just moved on to other things. Uh, but we got a bunch we of did. new We're Patreon We're very supporters. grateful for all you guys. In the last month. Thank you. It is Thank awesome. You. Turns out when we put a little effort, they actually like that. <laughs> oh, prepare to be let down, knew? everyone. Okay, no, I am just kidding. Um, I yeah, we had a good B side. For those of you who don't know, Matt Frad um, sent me a text message. Uh, we were talking about Halloween randomly, and I accidentally. <laughs> so, look, here's a funny story. So, the principal of the Catholic school reaches out to. Father Tom reaches out to me and, and Brian, my work wife, and he says to me, hey, guys, here's this email. Can you give me your thoughts? And it was like, how dare you call yourself a Catholic school and have Halloween celebrations? That is Satan's day. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm getting really annoyed. At it this. did seem to so pop up I a little bit more a- this year than it has in the past. Yes, because of Internet blogs. The Who do blogs. we blame? Is there anyone and so um, I, specifically? Because we'll name names. This, this no. is Catching uh, Foxes. Yeah, no, Mexican priest. Mm. And so I get really amped up, and I write a funny, sarcastic email. Point, because these people wrote, like, short paragraphs point by point. And so I respond to every one of those paragraphs, and I call them, like, scrupulous and all this stuff. Because I feel like it's very scrupulous. Of course, there are women who go around as... Uh, you know, skanky witches and men who are, and people who like literally worship the devil on that night. Like I'm not ignorant of that, but, and yes, it did come from pagan origins in different areas, whether it was a harvest festival or to worship, whatever, but it was Christianized for centuries upon centuries, even the wearing of scary costumes, not just looking like a saint. And so I write all of this stuff out, throw in a couple research points and I shoot that back to the principal. And the principal sends a reply back to me saying, oh, it would be funny if we sent this out. You know, obviously, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to write some softer points. But thank you for writing, you know, giving us these actual points. So I'm like, great. (laughs) Then about two days later, I get my email back to me. Followed up by this couple (laughs) responding (laughs) point by point to my emails. So I go, uh-oh, 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 uh-oh. <laughs> they got the original not-for-their-eyes email, which, I mean, I don't really care. I, don't, I stand by everything I said. But, um, you know, I was more sarcastic than if I was actually talking to the person. So then I emailed the principal. I'm like, hey, girl, what's going on? <laughs> and she gets worried sick. I wasn't, I, I wasn't worried about it. She's worried sick. She's calling me. She's texting me. I'm like, no, Veronica, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool. And she's like, it's not cool. I got to find out why. And it turns out it was... It was a woman at the school whose husband got in an argument. And so he was just trying to like, hey, check this out. This is from the director of evangelization. This has more weight than just some yeah. bum like me. <laughs> but then it goes full around. So the principal's like, well, what did you say to them in response? And I go, oh, I deleted it. <laughs> and she's like, what, what, what? Why didn't you respond? I go, I'm not going to respond to crazy. Yeah. There's a comes a point where you're like, here's your arguments, here's the counter arguments, and then your argument in response. I read the first part of it, but it was like, oh, yeah, well, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, no, we're done. We're done. I'm not going to respond to you. So now they're, uh, you know, what, I mean, these are good. See, the problem is these are good people. I'm sure if, like, I was hanging out with them, you know, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't care about it until they brought up this issue, then I'm going to talk to them. But <laughs> um, So I mentioned it to Matt Frad. I was like, 
And Matt Fred was like, because I knew he was doing a sibling horror podcast. Mm. Yes, yes. Have you heard about uh, that? You, do you want to explain that really quick to everyone while I put it into the show notes? Yeah, him and his sisters love sister Emma. They like horror stories. Really like unsettling, creepy stories than like, you know, whatever. So he begins to get on this little... He, people push back that he's doing a podcast where they they hi, I think they hire a reader to read their short stories yes, that they yep. wrote together. A, and um, so he said, how about this, Gormley? How about I come on, me and you record a super quick show, and we just talk about Halloween, scary stuff, horror as a genre. And he's like, but if we're going to talk about it, you got to read this article. So I read that article. It was fascinating. It's written by a deacon who does movie reviews called, I think, decentfilms.com. And um, so me and Matt recorded it. We went back and forth. We talked about horror as a genre and why it's mostly filled with crap that should be avoided what is good and bad about it and then we went from horror to halloween and it was it was fun and that's one of the things that you can find on the b-sides if you are a gimme 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 <laughs> subscriber and i don't i think it's a good standalone episode like halloween i think halloween is very fun I love uh i like dressing up i like partying and i like candy kids are kids are okay <laughs> what could possibly but go I'm a wrong fan of, I, I'm, I really really do like Halloween so uh, we had some buddies that that actually uh, in our in our text group uh, they sent us a, like a you know quick thing just being like what do you guys like uh, about their um, hesitancy with Halloween and I was like I'm not yeah. really quite quite there and I think uh, you did a good job of explaining that so uh, do you want nice. an update of um, Luke moves back to his hometown? Yeah. <laughs> this is that part of the show where Luke, moving back to his hometown, encounters the uncanny valley of people he knows and doesn't really want to talk to. Luke? So uh, there's... It's not, I, I want to talk to these people. It's not that. Just sometimes I don't. Um, Luke really doesn't want to talk to these people. <laughs> it's weird. Okay, so we have a little town... Um, a little town newspaper called the Oakwood Register that comes every Thursday. I've been in it several times back in my youth. And uh <laughs> look at this hair. Did he get a perm? Which per which female salon? <laughs> all of them, all of them. <laughs> look at this guy's hair. That's gonna be there forever, right? <laughs> right? He has such thick, cool hair. Yeah. That perm could never possibly thin out and just disappear when Luke is, oh, I don't know, 17 and a half. The, listen, it was only like the permish for like a solid year. Although I did see some, like, you ever see a picture of yourself as a kid and go, holy crap, someone needs to just beat the crap out of that kid. Like, someone really needs to punch that kid. No, not when I was a kid. When I was a freshman at Franciscan, <laughs> I was like, gosh, I hated me. Yeah. I hated me. We as all a could freshman. have used just going on a couple of runs and just taking care of ourselves a bit. No, I could have used a punch in the face from Caesar. Caesar should have walked up and just punched me in the face, and then I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change. You are very jacked, sir, and super cool. Um, no, so there really hasn't been too much I to used. report on uh, this. I'm trying. It's just it's been more weird of seeing like so. I see people in the in the town uh, in the uh, town on newspaper. And I, don't, I don't know who they are. I take a picture of it, then I almost send it to Emily and go, "How do I how do I know this person?" And then she explains it to me, and <laughs> I'm just like, "What am I?" It's weird. It's it's very. It's just it's the weirdest thing, man. It's, I just keep going back to these thoughts of uh, what am I doing here? Why am I here? This is very odd. 
Am I alone no, in here? So it's, uh, oh gosh, I did have a story, but now I forgot it. So sorry, everyone. Um, where, where, where? I think it is so funny. Like, I think the word, the uncanny valley or the phrase uncanny valley describes that. Because when I go, um, I don't have anyone in Tulsa that I go visit now. So I grew up in Broken Arrow, suburb of Tulsa. And when I go back to my neighborhood, like when I went to Tulsa, I went to my buddy Chris Miller's neighborhood, but he lives in Denver now. So when I go to Tulsa and Broken Arrow, I, I, I've done it, I think, twice since in the last 10 years. Man, it is, it, 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 number one, it's nostalgia overload. Number two, everything is smaller than I remember it when I was a kid because I moved away yeah. when I was 16. Everything just seems so big when you just, all you have is a bicycle to get around town in. Um, but I went to my neighbors who live across the street, the Hems, great family. What a fun name. And I knocked on their door while, my, while Shannon was breastfeeding our second. And I, I just said, I knocked on the door and they opened the door and like, oh my goodness, Mike, what's up? And they gave me a big old hug and I go, hey guys, my family's in the car. I'm just driving through. I saw you guys in the front door was open and I just wanted to say hi, but I got to go. <laughs> they were like, you, your family can come in. I go, no, my wife's breastfeeding. We literally have to go. <laughs> I got eight more hours ahead of me. And they're like, wait, what? You're not going to come in? I was like, it's what I do. I should have come <laughs> driving. Like, you're like, you're going to stop by. they will never see you again. Sir, we could be dead in two years. Um, let me ask you this. And what how? It was too much, though. It was so. What uncanny. do you think of this? Of like, do you think a nostalgia is a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I, we talked about this a little bit before, but I think it's a good thing. I think you should feel that aching pain of past memories. I don't think there was a problem with that. Why would it be a bad thing? Uh, too much. I'm living in the past, and not able to face the future for what it actually is. I think, though, the pain of nostalgia, other than your obsession with college is a realization of how far you've grown and changed since then. So it's a good thing. Like, it's not necessarily living yeah. in the past, even though you can meditate. Well, on and and it. You know here's, I mean? oh, here's really the weird thing that's going on, is I'm realizing how long ago this stuff actually took place. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're starting to get into memories that I had almost 30 years ago. You know, but mm -hmm. we first moved to Oakwood in uh, summer of 91. So that's 28 years ago. So holy crap. Yeah. So I yeah. start out in, I would have been in third grade. Is that true? Fall. Yeah. 28 years ago. That's crazy, man. <laughs> like that's, I think. Isn't that fun? That's really crazy. And it, um, you know, and there are some, uh, I don't want to get too specific, but there are some things going on that are forcing me to contemplate how long we're going to be here for and what are the implications of that. And, you know, do we want to have kids going to these schools and what is that going to look like? And, and it, you, you, you do, you are kind of forced to like face your own mortality a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, it's interesting that you can have a place like my high school that, so uh, we went on a walk the other day, and Aaron's like, hey, like, why don't we walk by the high school? She really likes the neighborhood. There's about, like, five blocks kind of, like, two, like two, about, like, four blocks before the high school, then about two or three after that, that are really nice. And so we went and we walked around there, and I, just, and I just I walked by it. I just remember kind of having this lot of, like, man, I, I lived, eat, and breathed this place. So much of my life 
yeah. took place here. And uh, I'm just a stranger to everyone around here. Yeah, that's the weirdness. The weirdness of, like, the our groups of families, like, we, like, owned that neighborhood. Like, let me, when I was growing up in Broken Arrow, our home, it was a small house, but it had a huge front yard. And a lot of the, all the homes, I guess, in our neighborhood did. But our home, every fall, every Saturday, hosted football games that we would play on our front lawn. And people from all over, whoop, all the lights went out. I forgot. It's 10 o'clock. All the neighbors and people from around town, if they wanted to play a serious four-hour pickup game of football, they would come to my house. And now to go to that neighborhood where my family was known by sight by everyone in our neighborhood. My dad sat outside smoking his cigarette and drinking his 12 cups of coffee every morning. He knew every car that drove by. He waved at everyone. But to think like there is a neighborhood in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma that does not know the Gormley family is weird. Like that is weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, uh, you know, it's, and it's, it's tough. It's tough. No matter, you know, I'm so like 10, 10 years ago, actually, oh my gosh. Now 11 years ago, I went to St. Bernard's now St. Bernard's Academy out in Eureka. And I remember I, my plane got in at 1130 and I was at morning announcements at 8 a.m. the very next day. And I was and I was introduced yeah. to the entire school by by the president. And I remember being there in like it, um, and being old enough to know this is a big deal for my life. Like this is a big life moment I'm right now. Like this place is going to be a, this is going to be a big deal. And I spent three years practically living on that on that campus because of the dormitory. And I, yeah, and and then it's 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 just kind of I'm funny how it's like there's like it exists now and I'm not there, and there are people on the staff that have no idea who I am and I don't know them and they have their own memories and their own. Um, it kind of ties into this idea that I think that we really are a pilgrim church. That we are, um, not a, sorry, that, that's the wrong word. Strangers in a strange like, yeah, we land, are man. pilgrims on a journey because it's it's there's there's really kind of like two um, like two views I think that you can take on it. One is that uh, is that um is that, like nothing matters, and it you know um it, it like is what it is if you will, which I can't stand that, and it um <laughs> it is what it what is. What does that mean? Uh, okay, <laughs> but uh, it's not what yeah. it's not. So, you know, but, uh, so that it's, uh, like you, you can't, def- you can't really give it a, like, you have to be detached from it in a sense, because life has life, ha- life has um, no meaning. So it really is pointless in the, in the long run. And so you have to find a way to categorize it, be able to create some type of like a separation between only um, you and um, this thing or this place. Okay, now let me push back. I would say that is an invention of our modernistic mindset. What you just said, like eventually, like eventually, these things will fade. But these thing, these things, because I'm an incarnated human being, are a part of me in a, in no, a no, very real no, but way. That's this my point. Like a, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, sorry. So you're saying the modern mindset yes. is one that makes you want to just? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm trying yeah, to. No, con- totally, I'm trying to. Totally. I'm in a very poor way contrast that to the idea of being 
uh, like the Catholic idea of like everything on our time on earth is just is like pilgrimage where these things actually do do have do have meaning but like any trip we go on there's a beginning and there and there and there and there is an end but it's changed you it is a part of you and it does have profound I see what you're saying I thought while I was putting a donkey sticker on my Apple iMac that you were saying because we're pilgrims this doesn't no, matter. No, 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 no. And it's so fascinating. I, uh, when you were talking about the weirdness and you know we're going back and forth about the Uncanny Valley, I was thinking about very specifically how most human beings throughout the history of the world lived within a 5-mile radius, would died within a 5-mile radius of where they were born. So when you just I mean just think about that that most people never left home and home being a 5 mile mm-hmm. radius. And when you start to think about that, like what does it mean to be established and rooted and all this stuff? We find freedom and I think this is very true especially about us in high school and in college by the distance I put between me and my parents. Like yeah. that's what freedom yep. is. Like I'm on my own, I'm this. I mean, but think, what does that distance mean? 5 miles? For most of human civilization throughout most of history, like that is fascinating. And so I think what we modern people do is we invent narratives to make it okay that we're rootless cosmopolitans, that we just detach and we connect and we detach and we connect and we detach and we connect. And I think that's the reason why Beijing, New York, Mexico City, Barcelona, um, Rome, People who live in cities share more in common than they might with their suburban or rural neighbors in their own country. Because there's a sameness with city living that, of the modern city that obliterates the, the localness of it all. And I think there's some, something anti-incarnational somewhere lurking beneath Ooh. the surface of it. Not to say that city living isn't, can't be incredibly incarnational. I think it can especially when you have immigrant populations that move into parts of cities and it becomes that city or that, that, you know, like the North end of Boston is the Italian part Um, where my dad lived. The neighborhoods that my dad lived in, in inner city, Philadelphia was Irish next to the Italian and next to the Polish. And so it had an identity Um, propaganda in one of his songs. He's, he raps about um, gentrification and people moving into his part of LA and he's like, you can come here. Please be our guest. But that's the one where he's like, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, you know, it's like coffee shops. And he's like, D- but don't, don't gentrify it. Don't like turn it into your version of what my neighborhood should look like. Be our guest. But this city is in my blood. And it's funny when you have the one capital and you become a rootless cosmopolitan, you end up not reshaping it to be some new and fantastic place, you reshape it to be the Applebee's of that city. It's like something incredibly familiar yeah, rather than something new to be experienced. And so it it is fascinating. I heard a a Christian author saying, or or he wrote that sending missionaries to China, they gave them all this like Chinese cultural stuff. They basically had to study for two years and, you know, Mandarin and all this stuff. And you learn the language, you learn the culture, you learn all this stuff you sent over there. Yeah, all the things. I had to love tofu, even though it's gross. And uh, they go over there, and almost every one of the missionaries came back within like a month or two months. 
And they said the same thing. These are suburban, you know, kids joining this non-denom megachurch. And they said, you taught us how to be Chinese, but you didn't tell us how to live in a city. And they couldn't live in a city. But if they had just moved to their local city, they could have survived in Beijing or Shanghai with all that cultural training and stuff. So I don't know. I, I, do find, I find that we, we invent narratives to make it okay, the fact that we don't have an identity, a place, a time. Um, we don't have a, a family name that we care about. Our last names no longer matter. Um, yeah, I find, that to be, I find that to be fascinating. Yeah. It's something that I really haven't like, – well, I mean, but here's the flip side of that, though, as well. Is that yeah. so in my yeah. town, it's kind of a boring place. Now it's a really <laughs> pretty place. All towns but, are. But, but all towns well, okay, are. but um hear me out on this though. So <laughs> our main street through here is has a lot of buildings built in of the seventies and in the eighties, maybe the early nineties, but that's it. Yeah, so pretty pretty ugly to be honest with you. But yeah. they do their best to keep the boulevards nice and all this stuff. And there's a lot of retail shops that are, that are there. Well, yeah. they're having a hard time getting stores in there because all those because all the brick-and-mortar stores are dying for the most part. So they'll try to have more higher-end stuff there because this is the more wealthier area. But they're still having a hard time keeping those things there. And so there's this, also this thing of what's, how does this change in a good way? Because here's this space that's going unused right now. My town has these archaic laws that they can't have a liquor license. They they can't have like the hood that you need in a um, a kitchen to like be able to cook food and stuff. And so oh, yeah. you're prevented from having bars and restaurants there because they want to keep it quiet. They you know and they're I know it's really <laughs> dumb because the people who already live there and are moneyed don't want to see it change with the riffraff. But the riffraff is the future of that area. Yeah. It's just like, why won't the church make room for young people? Why won't EWTN have programming for young people? Because they ain't paying the bills right now, son. They might in 20 years, but they ain't but now. We have such short-term I think there is a yeah. danger, though, to that in the long run because, I mean, people want to move here because of this, because of these schools. They've, I mean, some of... No, they want to move there because Dave Chappelle lives uh, Dave Chappelle's about 20 minutes uh, east of here. Dave Chappelle lives <laughs> there for the sake of the narrative, for the sake of our That's fans, true. Luke. I'm the one who's always right. You're the one who's always passionate. Mm-hmm. Lee wrong. True. Enjoy your natty light, you grown man. Natural light seltzer, Catalina lime mixer. When cherry and lime became together best at last. I'm the cherry. You're Emily the would lime. be so proud of you huh? right now. Man, I'm proud of Aunt <laughs> D. Gosh, I love that woman. Her husband. Just they're just the best they people are, ever. Um, I'm gonna raise my natty <laughs> light to them. To and Wade, um, the, uh, but the but the point though, like, how do you? So how do you build roots though in a place where obviously it has to change a little bit? You know, so what? Like, what do you keep? What do you not keep? Um, so I love the book Happy City. Do you remember yeah. us talking about Happy yep. City a while yep. ago? It was probably two years ago. If cities that are, I mean, like, why should Dayton exist when Cincinnati exists? Dayton shouldn't exist. Uh, go screw yourself. Um, right. No. So, so, but no, that, that's the Paul Krugman, who's the, you know, demand side liberal economist at the New York Times. He wrote this op-ed piece on... Like, why does Indianapolis exist? Why would people move there? Just move to a real city. 
And his argument was, I can't really fully remember because it was like a year and a half ago, but it was essentially like middle to small size cities shouldn't exist. They're just a drain. Send them to the other cities where people, you know, and it was kind of a, a dumbass article from my perspective in what he was advocating for. But because uh, like New York City has what, 13, 14 million people, but Mexico City has like 25 mm-hmm. million. Um, and you begin to see these like mega, mega cities throughout the world, and they become the, the centers of economic activity. But one of the things that he saw is like, if your city can't offer something unique and distinct, then it shouldn't exist. That was his, his point of view. But my thing is, I mean, I, I think that's true. Your city has to be something. There's, there has to be something there, there, right? <laughs> There's no there, there in a lot of American cities because they just became everything else. And so Happy City was fascinating because you can take the most crime-ridden city, turn it into a walkable instead of a drivable community or a bicyclable, and all of a sudden it totally revitalizes the place because people want to be local. Well, you want to put down roots, but the very design of our cities is anti-rootedness. Well, and, and that's – well, this is, this is actually really interesting because one of the hard parts in a place like Dayton is Dayton is a big deal 100 years ago. Um, I mean, <laughs> yeah, really, like yeah. – well, probably actually no, about 110 yeah. years ago. So Dayton, Dayton had a huge fire. I want to say in like 1913 or something like that. It's awful, like a terrible. I mean, um, there are stories of – um, like people killing themselves because they felt like they were uh, that they were um like trapped in their homes and just going to and going to starve to death. So people said the most terrifying sound was the sound of shotguns because they knew that people were just committing suicide. Yeah, it's quite awful. And like John, I believe, I believe it was John uh-huh. Patterson uh, kept this. Like he ran and was it NCR at that at that time and um he basically kept his factories open 24 hours a day to build boats to try to get people and like get people help and stuff. And it caused all these fire. I mean, just it really for all, I mean, you can make the argument that Dayton never really bounced back from that, from what, from what it was at that, at that point in time. It reminds me of what, uh, Haley Stewart said about Waco. Waco. Waco was a far bigger city than Dallas. But when that tornado plowed right through the middle, everyone's like, okay, we're going to Dallas. You guys rebuild peace. And it never recovered until yeah. Chip and Joanna. Yeah, th- God thanks. bless them. And, uh, and now Dayton does kind of recover a bit. And in the 50s and in the 60s and even into the, in, into the 80s, it becomes this, like, corporate headquarter place. You had a lot of um, corporations that were actually headquartered in Dayton. Or, um, and then it slowly – then it, like, kind of, you know, go, uh, goes away. And um, over time – and the city takes a big hit in um, 2009 when the GM car uh, car uh, car plant uh, when that when that when that completely closed down. And so there's about a 10 yeah. year time period from 2001 to 2011 where Dayton barely had a thousand. And they had um, they had um, they had um, less than a thousand jobs added each year or something like a horrific number. And so what do you do with a town that has the in, that has the infrastructure to be a really cool place, has the old buildings. I mean, there are beautiful old buildings here. I mean, where I was born, on, th- on the west side of Dayton, it's an abandoned neighborhood for all, for all intents and purposes. What are you supposed to do with that? 
Like, yeah. do you just um, let it rot? Like, is that like, or do you try to rebuild? But then when there's no opportunity and it's, we're, we're kind of in this, like things are kind of happening, but not as fast, not as fast like Cincinnati. Everyone thought by this point in time, you would basically have like Fort Worth, Dallas going on with Dayton and, and um, Cincinnati, but it hasn't happened. How is Cincinnati doing? I mean, they got dynamic Catholic, so they're probably great. All right, here's the deal. You ain't got no staff, no time, and certainly no budget to make creating compelling content for social media in any way a priority. So what do you do as a Catholic parish? Probably what most parishes do, and you just copy and paste things straight from your bulletin page onto your Facebook page. Man, that ain't no way to live. And yet, all the millennials, Gen Xers, and even grumpy, fussy baby boomers are online like 24-7, which means your church can be online like 24-7. And they don't just want you to have a presence online. They want it to be good, like like really, really good. That's why CatholicSocial.media exists. You subscribe to them, and they hook you up with daily social media posts that you can personalize for your parish without their, like, logo all over the stuff. You know, like when you illegally pull stuff from Google Image Search, and it has other people's logos all over everything? Not that I've ever done that. I am as pure as the morning dew. CatholicSocial.media is a Catholic company with Catholic artists, designers, writers, and videographers coming up with the very best stuff for your parish. And you can look like a genius and save time and money. Head on over right now to try.catholicsocial.media. Apparently, the design nerds over there are big fans of Catching Foxes, and they created a free trial with a discount code FOXES for you just to try out their stuff and see if it's a good fit for your parish. That's a free trial with the promo code FOXES over at try.catholicsocial.media. Special thanks to catholicsocial.media for sponsoring this show. I'm kidding. The whole idea of rootedness. So we were talking. I did a a uh, retreat at my parish for the median age was sixty five. Per wonderful tradition. group, empty nesters, awesome. Some of them, two of them, were big fans of catching foxes. God um, bless you. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Of course, they're the much younger ones. Um, but one of the things that I can't remember how I got on the subject, but I said. Do you know who the loneliest people in America are? It's white males who are middle-aged. Medieval white males. And uh, I said, they're the loneliest, and they're also the highest suicide rate. And they were like, what? Why is that? And I was like, that's a great question. Because most men of that age spend their life in corporate America, and they convince themselves. I mean, there's a, a lot of reasons, but they convince themselves that work friends are friends. And then the moment the work schedule changes, you realize that they're not friends. They're just the coincidence of schedules. Your friend leave, but that doesn't mean your friend. And then you have this thing of the rise of homosexuality among men in the 1920s and 30s when it began to remove itself from you know the closet um, culturally, even though it was hated, attacked, persecuted, all that stuff. It still became more and more known. And so men began, in, out of fear of being labeled as gay, began restricting the way that they would talk about their friendship with other men. And so there's this guy at the University of Indiana who is pro-gay marriage, pro-gay activism, all that stuff. But he talks about it. He said the death of male friendships coincides with the rise of homosexual openness because then men were afraid to show affection to other men or express it with and and then be labeled as gay, right, or homosexual, or whatever, and 
he talks about this and it's so funny because me and you have a like we have friends who when the manliest guy i know thomas yeager when he ends a conversation he's like all right man i love you and you're like yeah how does it go (laughs) what oh he goes i love you i love you i love you (laughs) And uh, but that doesn't sound very manly. It doesn't fit my narrative. No, that's that's not what it's like at all. It's just, <laughs> yeah. But when he says that, like at the end of every conversation, and I'm I remember one time being like Thomas. Every time you say that, it throws me off. <laughs> like I'm not ready to tell another man I love them unless we're making out. So we were we were t- looking at this stuff, and it's funny because when you read like the founding fathers of the uh, of our country, they would write. <laughs> I said this to the crowd. I was like, if you read their write their letters to each other. They sound super gay. Super, super <laughs> gay. I said the phrase super gay three times in a row. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, they express this over-the-top affection for each other that for us, we'd be like, oh, whoa, whoa, Ben Franklin. I know you like to, I know you like chasing tail, but whoa, Georgie? Um, he did. He sure did. He sure did, especially in France. Um, really did. Yeah. But the whole idea of that, like, Men keep distancing themselves from the company of other men. And I think that's so destructive. Eventually, you have this crazy pivot where, I mean, in, in one sense, it's like men can't have friends because of the way our societies, societies arrange, where we keep pulling away from these social institutions in order to be more and more alone. Do you think that's, so do you think that's why, like, or, like some um, places are becoming more and more empty because people have no real reason to stay? Yeah. So, I mean, just think about that. The suicide rate is up among the most privileged class. And, you know, some people say, well, it's because they're, they're losing their privilege. And I think there's a lot of truth to that, right? Like African-American men and women and other people are starting to get into that space. Job and wage stagnation and other things like that. Like they might feel like there's no future for them as it's being taken from okay there's there's a lot of that but why is a corporate drone who you know aspires to middle management why is he killing himself it has to be something deeper a man with friends can suffer a shitty job really can but a man without friends yeah no it's true because like really honestly when you look at the triangle of like uh, gosh what is it um maslow's hierarchy of needs no, it's not the hierarchy of needs, but it's this idea that if you food pyramid, the I food pyramid the triangle, but I can I can only I'm think of two two parts. It's the yeah. idea that like if you have, um, I no, I'm sorry. So it um is location, it's job, and it's and it's it's friends, and you can like sacrifice on like on the one for the other two. Mm. Oh, okay. But it's pretty hard in order to like when you. But I think especially the friends and the and the job part. That's the interesting piece that, um, you it, like. There's a you see a lot of old buildings in Dane that are empty. You see yeah, the yeah, Lions yeah. Club, the Masonic Lodge. Sure, it's evil. It's just you know take it for. But it's a huge building on the, the side VFW, of the road. VFW, yeah, the veterans the, of on the wars, VFW, yeah. um. All these, um, like, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what, like, a Sierra Club does. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know how your meetings go, what function it serves. It sounds cool. 
Um, I've actually been to uh, one of the VFW halls here in Dayton because I, I, I have a buddy who goes, and it's pretty legit. It's, I see why people like going there, but it's huge, and it's always not even 10% full. Now, are you talking about the Sierra Club or the Sarah Club? I don't know. The Sierra Club <laughs> is dedicated to protecting our climate. The Sarah Club is named after Father Unipero Sarah and supports vocation. No, there uh maybe it's that one. The Sarah Club, Sierra Club is very famous and is in, you know. No, do, it's not it's not that one. It's the um, Catholic one? I guess it's the vocation one. Yeah. Okay. Or like the or like a rotary. What does yeah. a rotary do? <laughs> I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. You don't know but what it, a Rotary Club does? No. Oh, man. It unites more than a million people together and for activities, social events, and volunteer networks and networking and all that stuff. You're just they, reading what it says on Google. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're damn right, you son of a bitch. No, you're but damn I mean, right. <laughs> no, that's so these are okay. So these are what we call. Uh, tertiary mediating organization. So that sounds really stupid, but for most people, it's like family or state. And then there's this whole layer of intermediary organizations that aren't governmental and they're not my family, but they're things that are the common good. And the more we chip away at those things, the more everything becomes politicized. So you have things like Rotary Club, Key Club, Kiwanis Educating You. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Knights of Columbus, um, Veterans of Foreign Wars Club, all of these things. You have these things which are meant to be uh, focal points for community action, the common good, to get people thinking about the common good. The greatest generation, so the people right before the boomers, they were the most civically minded of any people in the history of the United States, maybe since the Revolutionary War. But then after them, the baby boomers were way more civically minded than we are, but they represented because they were coming off of that, right? So all of these groups, the Rotary and Key Club and all that stuff, the Lions, um, the Moose Lodge, the Elks, all of that stuff was created during, um, you know, the 30s and the 40s and the 50s. But then when the boomers come in, it hits a wall and is a cliff dive. Now, also, these things happen because you have stay-at-home moms who are, they viewed, like, I used to ask people, like, what did stay-at-home moms do? Like, when you watch Mad TV, or Mad TV, Mad Men, totally different things. So when you watch Mad TV, you see hilarious things. No, when you watch Mad Men, one the, Asian the woman, guy. Uh, Betty at home did nothing other than wait to take care of her kids and take care of her house. But most women, especially... And smoke cigarettes and, and gossip with the neighbor. Right, but most of them, those women, belong to social clubs, that did charitable actions constantly if they were stay at home. Yeah, they true. were, that's but the, the thing that people don't realize is they were Presbyterians and Catholics and atheists and all this stuff who were like, we are dedicated to elevating this part of our town and giving them better education for their children. We are dedicated to helping at risk high school youth to finishing high school. And so that's what these people did. They got involved and they met the very people that they were doing ministry with. But when you start to look at the baby boomers, that hits a wall. And when they, their version was politics, not these mediating institutions. So they were all about 
demonstrations and student riots and all of that stuff. And then Nixon shot them all in the head. Um, they were all about that, like public demonstration, and they stopped joining these things. So then you have the Gen Xers who just continued the trend. And then you have millennials who are the least engaged socially and thus the least engaged politically in these, one, in the mediating, mediating institutions, but two, in these government and family stuff. Um, but they talk the most about it, but they actually do the least about it. You know, that's actually, I always kind of felt, um, and, I'm, and, and I mean, full disclosure, I admit we should have been way more against the Iraq war than what we were. But I will still say that I think a lot of the anti-Iraq and anti-the war on terror stuff that happened when we were in college felt very hollow. Oh, yeah. It, it felt like it wanted to be like what the, they were trying to recapture the spirit of the 60s. Yeah, the Vietnam protests. T- yeah, but it, it's tough because like it, you didn't – it. Um, like the country was very divided, but the country was very divided in terms of everyone's opinion. Yeah. I feel like it's more undivided on now in terms of how everyone lives their life. Yeah. And what they value, but it was really just like a division of opinion then. And it didn't have the kind of a social weight, which is why I think a lot of the anti Iraq war on the films and music don't have the legs that stuff that came out of the 60s had yeah because it's like they just want like i don't like they didn't know really how else to express people's discontent besides well shouldn't we be writing songs about this and so i want to be you know i can remember this band um, rise against saying they want to be like uh you know uh crosby's like they wanted to be like crosby, <laughs> crosby stills, stills and Nash. National young and, and i'm like <laughs> you're a post like punk email like you're not you have a song about like uh, being on a porch <laughs> like it's i don't know yeah and, man, um, but that porch is important bro but the, i don't know it's it's just so funny because we scream about a lack of identity and this some lack of roots and just this like this like, like this desire to go to like um like we want these cool like beautiful awesome awesome experience and great things and we have beautiful our own buildings and these and we have we have these really cool old old structures across the country, and we're not doing anything with them, yeah, but letting it's, them fall into disrepair, yeah, and instead, everyone wants to move to New York, where everything's the same and it's just really expensive, and they don't have the capacity to actually properly house the amount of people that are there in a way that is just. Yeah, well, and another thing that they have that, or that we realize is the way buildings are built can end or foster community. So right now what we're watching in America since 2008 is the entire collapse of the mall system, right? So malls all over, all over America, just all the stores stopped buying their super expensive rental space. And the malls just began collapsing. My in-laws have, they live in a very wealthy area. And there's the Chesterfield Mall in the valley in, in, um, outside of St. Louis. The Chesterfield Mall has, I think, like five stores left. And one of them is the movie theater. And it's like the movie theater is the only thing that keeps people coming regularly. It's like a, a cheesecake factory, a movie theater, and like Macy's. 
but every other store is closed. And yeah. one of the things that's fascinating is a bunch of people from that Happy City book, what they began doing was they began buying up the mall real estate. And where the parking lots are, they build uh, apartments, like super affordable, like four-story, three-story apartments. And they put in these apartments. And then they build right next to the apartments uh, an apartment housing for a senior citizen. And then they build a grocery store. And then they build a concert arena. And then they build a bunch of stores inside the mall. And, what you've, and, and they renovate the mall so it's mostly outdoors. And they put, like, awnings over everything. So if it does rain, you can still mm-hmm. walk outside and go to it. Mm-hmm. And they found that if you make a community walkable, all of a sudden that community starts to thrive. But the mall is built around the car. I drive yeah. to this one destination. I get out. So what the whole point was is if we can bring in housing as close as possible to grocery and to entertainment and to work. So they began building all like on the bottom. It, it became like a CC in the handful of these areas where these malls. A CC is a medieval town that's preserved amazingly well. The bottoms are the shops and the top two floors are the homes. And all of a sudden, they began building cities like our Catholic medieval cities. And these little areas of a, a desert economically begins to start to build up again. And so... Assisi is a cool city, isn't oh, it? Oh, god, It's amazing. I miss it, I miss it It's so amazing. Much. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I think this is important for us to pay attention to is because we can't live in suburbia and fulfill our call to love our neighbor as ourselves the way Christ challenges us to. And so we have the, the muck and tallers who are one street behind us. And they're, I, I always reference them because, well, one, Joey's a avid listener. But um, Joey and Angie were the type of people that would, they just come over and that's all we need. You know what I mean? They're the neighbor that yeah. you're friends with with zero pre- um, what do you call it? Pretensions? Yeah, you're not pretentious around yeah. them. You're not yeah. trying to impress them. They're not trying to impress you. You just are. So we just spent Halloween with them. And, uh, you know, my parents came over and his mom came over. And it was just, uh, it felt like there was nothing other than family there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. yep. Where there's this seamless yep. blend of where friends and family are the same thing. And I, I, I've been asking a couple people online who are catching Foxes fans. They'll reach out to me in, in like weird ways, mostly through like uh, inviting me to an event or something like that. Or I'll be at an event and someone will be like, hey, I'm a catching Foxes fan. And they'll say things like this to me. Okay. This is what one person said in Canada. They said, I have very few friends who are my age and Catholic. So when I listen to catching Foxes, you're the only thing. That keeps me attached to my Catholic faith because I don't have any yeah. friends who are. And so that's where technology can help. But that's where we see the poverty of our modern postmodern world. Like it's hard to have community if you're of a certain if you're in your 30s or 40s and you're and you're married and you got kids, but your kids aren't giving you access to authentic Catholic community. You look around and you're like, what do I do? Where do I go? So you go online. And it's not the same as having flesh and blood friends, but it's better than having nothing. So, hey, to everyone listening to the sound of my voice, I yeah. love you. And I'm praying I love for you. you. You look you look good today. 
You look good today. You look good. You, you see that way today. you parted your hair? My wife got her hair cut. Luke, can I tell you a funny story? She did. My wife got her hair cut at one of those schools. <laughs> good job, Shannon. Fire. Okay. <laughs> okay. No. I are, want to make a comment you, are, about are, the... are, are you still doing that? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not a fad, damn it. I also haven't drank soda in forever. <laughs> Luke, I'm, I'm consistent. <laughs> I don't believe you at all. <laughs> I know. This is year of new things, Gomer. This is year of That's new true. Gomer things. Things being the key word there. Plural. Yeah. Things. <laughs> I'm woodworking. I'm firing. I lost my virginity. Um, <laughs> there was a Jewish dance after it happened. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. That's the wrong thing. <laughs> you immediately <laughs> reference an Indian religion. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Okay. I apologize. Um, I apologize lie, lie, once lie, again lie, to the Jews. Lie, 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 no, but sorry. So she got a haircut. <laughs> oh, so she goes. So this is the fire thing. So she's like, "Hey, I'm gonna get my haircut tomorrow. I'm so excited. I'm gonna get a real haircut." And I said, "What does a real haircut mean?" And she says, "Well, I'm not just gonna get a trim. I'm gonna get like a full haircut." So I get scared. Easy now, Shannon. Easy now. I know. I like long hair. I like women with long hair. All women with long hair. Yeah. Regardless, You're misogynist. We get it. Go on. Thank you. If you get your hair cut short, I don't love you anymore. No. Um, no, but I just, I just like long hair. And I said, Shannon, it's your head. It's your skull. It's your hair follicles. You can do with it whatever you want. I said, but just, like, you know, go do whatever you want to do. And she gets her hair cut, like, once a year. So she goes to the, yeah, she's like, Aaron's so, the same way. She's like, I'm so excited. I'm so scared. I'm so nervous. I'm like, why are you nervous? And she's like, well, I haven't got my hair cut in, like, a year and a half other than a trim. So she goes, and I had no idea. I swear to you, Luke, I had no idea. She went to a beauty school, and she said, I just have to put you on notice. As she's leaving, she said, sometimes these things take a little longer. So you might, like, she's like, it's three hours until dinner, so we'll be fine there. But just want to let you know. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Kids are going to be playing video games anyway. What do I care? So she goes to the, she, so it's a beauty school. Luke. She was there for three and a half hours. Oh, and oh they, my. And they, and I think her hair looks fine, but according to her, they butchered it. They cut way more off. They didn't do oh, the things. No. I don't know what layering means, but they didn't layer it properly. And yeah. her hair is very thick and they didn't, they cut it as if it wasn't. I don't know oh, what these no. words mean. I know what thick means because that's how I like my women. Thick. But, <laughs> but she's talking about her I'm hair. I'm 100% that. <laughs> she's talking about her hair not how she looks in a pair of jeans but the whole idea is she comes back to me and she's like i hate my hair and she's crying and i think she looks cute as a button but she's like i hate my hair blah 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 i said well what's wrong and she goes well i went to this place and i'm like why did you do that she's like i was trying to save money and i was like oh we got burned by fire and i was like baby <laughs> i have money for you to get a haircut for like $150. I don't care. She's like, it would have been 80. And I was like, 80? Of course we have the money for that. She's like, this only costs 30. And in my head, I was like, I know. It shows. It but shows. I didn't say that out loud. And she doesn't listen to this podcast. So I can say whatever I want. <laughs> blah, but, blah, 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 blah. So which means I love my wife. But there are times when you have to thoroughly invest in your wife's hair for her to be happy. So do can that. Can I tell like, you um, some of the horrible things I've said? Uh, actually, I should 
I should uh, hold off on that. Never mind. Horrible things you've said to your wife since she's pregnant? No, I'm not telling anyone. Really? Because you told our whole Patreon. Yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah, whatever. So, uh, Can I tell you a funny story? Yes. So, you know how I was like Dave Ramsey, right? Like, get out of debt. And I've been getting out of debt for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We pay off our for credit years card. years and years. For years and years. We have a lot of debt. <laughs> Thanks, Shannon. Um, so we... <laughs> so for the first time in our marriage, I've liquidated all debts. And we have one little student loan left. But I finally was able to good, pay off the credit card. Good for card. you. Yeah. I mean, one time me and my wife got in a fight and I said, with all the student loan debt you brought into our marriage, it's a wonder you're not a doctor. And as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I said, oh, shit, get them back in my mouth. And then she hated me. Anywho, so I um, pay off all of our credit card debt, and I'm into FIRE, right? Financially independent, retire early. And they're all about saving money and doing this stuff and being creative and whiz, bang, boom, bob, getting negotiating, all that stuff. And they talk about travel hacking. Get this credit card, pay it off, but you spend $3,000 in three, ooh, I just burped, $3,000 in three months. Boom, you get 50,000 or 60,000 miles. You could start using that to travel. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm almost to premier gold on United. I need to do this. So all the Dave Ramsey instincts in me, I suppress and I get the United credit card. And Luke, I had no idea the amount of deals to entice you, to separate you from your money that exists when you have a credit card like a United Explorer Plus Visa. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The first deal was, if I spend in the first 10 days $150 at one of their United Mileage Plus X app-supported stores, (laughs) I can get 1,500 bonus miles. And I'm like, well, I'm ready to do this. I can go see my Lukey. You can see my Lukey. No, it's not. So it's it's the whole point is to buy store stuff at stores locally. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my my coworker Mary Mary Beal, she's getting married to a guy I brought into the church two years ago. Very excited. MB, I, I haven't bought a damn thing for her. So I go online on a registry. Wouldn't you know it? The the United credit card app thing and Macy's where they're registered linked up. So I go on there. I have to spend $150, okay? That's the moral of the story. I have to spend $150 in 10, 10 days, but I'm an idiot and think I have to spend $150 at this one place. So I go online, and I scroll through all the gifts until I find one for $150. <laughs> like, Mary, I don't care about you. This is for that sweet, sweet United <laughs> stuff. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. Mammy, I still care about Mary, but I care more about the points. So I go, and I find a, a luggage. And I buy the luggage. It was $170. It was the only thing left that, I mean, they, people have picked over everything. So I go through, and then this thing pops up. You put a little widget in, and the widget says, hey, we have three coupon codes that apply to this purchase. Do you want it? And I say, apply. And then the total goes from $165 to $100. And then I say, but now I don't get my 1,500 miles. I don't think, <laughs> oh, I can purchase something from a different store that I actually need. And then I go online and I look and she has $8 a quantity of, for a single quantity, a blue napkin for a place setting. So I add one blue napkin. Okay, now I'm at $108. And I add another and another and another and another and the tax and all this stuff. 
and it comes up to $148. And I was like, damn it, I don't qualify for it. And I'm scrolling through everything else is like $20, $50, $80. And I'm like, should I take off some of the quantity? Should I do this? Should I do that? And I was like, ah, screw it. And I found that they had white napkins, right? Fancy napkins for $8. And they're white. So the white and the blue. So I put one on there. <laughs> I'm gonna buy oh one. Gosh. I go over the. I'm at one fifty eight. <laughs> this 100. is the worst gift ever. I know. I Nothing to do with the person. <laughs> Nothing I'm having for the other. The who? <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so I go and I purchase. I purchase. Okay, just to recap: a hundred dollar luggage, eight eight dollar. <laughs> Uh, $8 and change, you know, whatever, um, blue napkins and then one white napkin and I hit it. And then the tax gets figured in. I'm like, Oh, what the hell? I spent like $165. <laughs> so I go and I put, and it says, you can pick this up at the local Macy's for no shipping. And I was like, Oh, that's what I'll do because then I'll actually have it for the wedding on Saturday, which is in two days. And I haven't done anything. And so I was like, <laughs> yes, I will do this. I will get the thing at Macy's. So I go in and I say, yes, select the pickup. And then it says, so I f- figure out the pickup thing, select the window of time I'm going to pick it up at, blah, blah, blah. And then it says, verify shipping to Mary's address. And I'm like, what? No, I'm picking it up. Oh, maybe there's some glitch. Maybe there's a glitch. And I go through, okay, okay, okay. And as soon as I sit, hit purchase, I realize what happened. That Macy's has the luggage and Macy's has the eight blue <laughs> napkins in stock locally but it does not have the one white napkin so they are gonna get four days from now in the mail because i chose the free shipping option four days from now they're gonna get a single eight dollar white napkin it's gonna say from you it's gonna say i put like all the best mike and it's just gonna be one napkin First of all, they're going to be, who the fuck is Mike? Second. (laughs) (laughs) And why did he send us one white napkin? (laughs) Oh, Oh, I needed that. Thank you. You're welcome. God is here. God is is here. Is he? Um, Hey, did you hear about that Christian comedian, John Christ? He's no longer touring. uh, Oh. Yeah. Um, Hey, focus! If you need a new uh, entertainment for the night that he was going to be doing stuff, uh, catchingfoxes.fm slash book a live show. Uh, just complete the Google form. We'll see Is if he we can do fill that you for in. SLS? Yeah, <gasps> yeah, dude. We should so do that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's. I feel it's. Um, uh, it's pretty terrible, man. It's pretty terrible. Uh, Aaron, when I was telling her about it, she said that he always gave her the creeps. And uh, Aaron, well, I mean, he looks like a freaking stoner. He looks like a freaking stoner, but it's just his face. It's just his it's various just, face holes. It's just sad because he's funny. He's a funny dude. Oh, he's you know? really funny. And it uh, and it's good to have people with in Christian culture. I mean, who can make jokes about it? Can like it, that was fun. Yeah, and it was good. And it's um, I mean, I think it was Jackie Francois had this tweet where she said uh, it was, her, was yeah. like, just as a reminder, um. That in the Bible it says like what we do in in the darkness will be brought to light. And she said, if you're in public ministry, you got the major um sin going on. You need to stop and get this taken care of because this is going to come out. And yeah. I um, fully agree with her. 
you know, there's been stuff in my own life that I've had to take a real hard look at and go, okay, I need to get healing from this. I need to, um, even though, like, even if, like, just, like, I, anyways, my, my, my point is that, um, yeah, tragic. It's just so sad that what, what he did to those, um, to those um women is just awful, especially, I mean, it's all terrible, but I think my heart goes out to the most people who reached out to him for help in their career or who were doing stuff that they, they thought he was interested in just trying to help them out. And then he used them for sexual favors. And I, I now I was just, he married? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, but he said he, I mean, he said he was a sex addict, which is, you know, becoming more and more okay yeah. to say, which I think is a good thing, but like, um, dude, get taken care of, you know, like can't, um, that, that doesn't excuse it. it yeah, just... it doesn't excuse it, but this is the thing, the insightful thing about the book, The Hack, right? It's, but the money's good, right? And it's yeah. like, what do yeah. I do now that I have a fan base? I got good money. Now I have all this attention on me. And it's like, but I'm still looking at porn six hours or six days a week. You know, he and was it's like, they I never realized this. He yeah. was one of the, I, I, I just want to, like, before. Um, you make your last point. I, th- I think it's worth bringing up. The dude was one of the biggest touring acts in the country. I never realized that how big of a deal he actually was. Whoa! What do you mean? He's a big. He's a big deal. But he's a big deal. No, no, no. He's a big. I mean, yes, it's in. It's in our little um Christian bubble. Yeah, but yeah. In yeah. that, he like one of the tours that he was on was the second biggest tour that year out of everything. So, like, he's a part of, I mean, this is not a, um, like, this is a dude who's probably making bank and who was doing very, very well. Yeah. And um, so I'm, I'm just saying, like, th- like this is, this is um, like, you're talking serious money here. He's probably a millionaire. Because With more than this. 1 billion video views, more than 4 million online followers, and sold out tours from coast to coast. John Chris is today's uh, one of today's fast rising stand up comics. Ten years in, Chris has shared the stage with some of the best comics in the business: Jeff Boxworthy, Larry the Cable Guy, Louis Anderson. In 2019, he charted Polestar's Global 100 tours for four consecutive weeks, ranking as high as number 28. His first book, Untag Me: The Subtle Art of Appearing Better Than You Really Are, releases March 2020. His first Netflix comedy special titled I Ain't Praying for That debuts Thanksgiving Day 2019. So I just went to com slash calendar, and it says this. "Uh Uh-oh, looks like you've landed on an empty page. So his calendar is completely shut down. Anyways, everyone had focus catching foxes.fm slash book a live show. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's oh, really when terrible. you click booking, it just says stand by. Oh. 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 Now I feel oh. really bad for that joke. Um, no, I mean, like, I mean, the reality is he sexually used women. Now, yeah. from what I heard, none of the things were criminal. Like, you know, he, was, I would he wasn't say... sexually assaulting, but he was leveraging no, but le- his leveraging, position to. I mean, yeah, giving tickets. Um, hara- I think I think you could probably say possibly harassment. Um, it's just really sad, man, and it really. Um, we we talked about this with uh, well, I won't say his name, a couple of months ago, 
with um, a buddy of ours. And it's just a matter of time before it's one of us. Well, you. You know? Like, it's just a matter of... Not us as in the two of us. I just mean, like, Catholic content speakers, podcasters, yeah. people on YouTube, whatever. Yeah. It's, 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 and, like, we really need... I was... Um, I had a good I had a good conversation with uh Katie McGrady about this. Like we really need to kind of like this should really like shake up like yeah. a lot of us. Yeah. And I and, and I mean like people who consume content and people who create it. I, I just I uh, had had this tweet where I said and I and I um stole this off of another um conversation that that <laughs> we were having, but I think it like is there is something to this. Um, let me pull this up really quick. Um, bah, 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 profile tweets. So on the Catching Foxes Twitter page, which is apparently the like like, like the way how some people interact, they think they're talking to the both of us, and I just laugh and laugh and <laughs> laugh. But um, there's this tweet that says. Please pay more attention to Nancy, the old lady in your church, than you do to us or insert Catholic podcaster slash speaker out here. You have um, more to learn from. Uh, you have more to learn from Nancy than from any of us. Uh-huh. And I brought that up after, um, like all this. John, is it John? Chris, Chris or John? Chris. It, is Chris? Yeah. It's just um, like it just makes me really sad, mm-hmm. and it really bums me out. And I think that um, this we all need healing. All of us do. Every like God uh, reveals and He heals. And if He's not doing, if He's if he's, I'm not revealing stuff to you. Probably means that there's some healing that 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 he wants to happen, uh, within your life. And if you and if you're creating stuff or you're doing these things and you're not trying to find that um, healing that God wants from you, it's going to end really badly. And it's gonna and, and like like even if and, and I just um i think of course I like podcasts, and I like that we have good good speakers, and all that stuff is very important, yeah, but when our faith is dependent upon those people, there's something really wrong with that, and it it does damage to everyone involved, including the speaker, including the podcaster, including uh the fan like everyone's damaged by 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 that and there's a lot of wisdom to be gained from the old lady at the church who goes every day who prays her rosary who goes and volunteers at the soup kitchen who yep. doesn't ha- doesn't talk about it doesn't even like think about it doesn't know the amazon doesn't know anything about the amazon, <laughs> the amazon synod, synod or it's being tossed in the river what's a pakamaka <laughs> yeah could give two shits about taylor marshall like she's just doing her thing and trying to love her friends and trying to suffer well. We could learn so much more from her than from anything that anyone just heard. Am I crazy? Sexually, yes. I'm very demanding. Mm-hmm. 
No, I have a phrase. I'm going to... Shit, I want to find it. <sighs> okay, here, here's a great quote about the woman who's hidden or the man who is hidden who just loves the Lord and loves their neighbor and is praying their rosaries and going to mass and serving the poor and all that stuff. I love this when in First Corinthians... Because I talked about the Catholic Charismatic Renewal in First, in First Corinthians 12 and 13 today. Well, the difference of the charismatic gifts versus the the sanctifying grace and all that stuff. And there's a great line that I was thinking of. On the, on the contrary, the parts of the body which seem to be weaker are indispensable. Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22. On the contrary, the parts of the body which seem to be weaker, this little old lady that no one knows, who's praying her rosary and serving the poor and doing all that stuff, she's indispensable. And those parts of the body, which we think less honorable, we invest with a greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, meaning our dongs and such, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so adjusted the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior part, that there may be no discord in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And I think that is so powerful, what you said. And I keep coming back to this line from a missionary in India, and he, he was mentoring a, an American pastor, and he said, you Americans have it exactly wrong. You think in order to have a great impact for the church, I have to become you know, famous and you know, a well-known speaker and all this stuff. He said, in India, we have the exact opposite view. In order for me to have the greatest impact, I have to be the most hidden and humble. And when I heard that, I was like, holy crap. Holy crap. So here we are, the presentable ones, the ones who are always in front of people. And it's it's almost like, yeah, okay, God's going to let you do that. And that's fine. But the parts that are hidden or seem to be weaker, really in God's vision, those parts are indispensable. And so, I, yeah. I was just going to say, I encourage those people who feel like, well, I don't have a podcast or I don't have an audience or I don't have a platform or I don't have a stage or I don't have a microphone or no one's asking for me. You're moving mountains with your faith. Don't denigrate yourself because a thousand people or you don't, uh, don't know your name or you don't have tons of Twitter followers or whatever it might be, right? On the contrary, the parts of the body of Christ, which seem to be weaker, are indispensable. Yeah, I was um, talking to a good buddy of mine. We were talking about like, youth ministry stuff, and he was talking about they uh, had a had a speaker in. And, well, I should, okay, I actually shouldn't share this because I promised him that I w- that I wouldn't say anything. Um, well, then let's wrap up, Luke. No, but I I, I do want to make this point. Yeah, like so often because so here's here's the point. When you are paying attention to what seems to be the the least important, it actually helps you dwell in reality. Mm-hmm. Because when you're when you place an undue emphasis on things, it then becomes a lie, and it's not actually real. Yeah. So think about how often at at um, different things where people say God moved, and you have like a you have like a huge event, and everyone's like, "Whoa, oh, it's great!" And like all these teens gave their life to God, or all these you know like um, people were healed, or all or all this like real like all this like stuff 
is going on, how much of that is just they are they are moody teens, yeah, or people who got healed are on like a high, you know, or like there's something like it's when we are divorced from that stuff, that's where God is really moving. Yes, those big events are very important. They're a good kick in the butt, but they're not necessary. Like it's a it's it's, it's a it's, it's a good thing. It's a really really good thing, and it's a good shot in the arm. And I, I, um, but they're not like the important part. The real work, the stuff that actually counts and matters, is the dated is the day to day stuff. Because kids get tired, and kids get emotional, and kids are influenced by their peers, so they may give their life to God and not really mean it, and that really really um nothing happened because yeah. they're just kind of like. You know, they stand up because they're tired and they want to move around and there's a chance to finally do it. It's not, you know, and there's not a lot of like, um, and, be, and it's because we're, we're not placing an emphasis on the small stuff, like God is in the details, right? And when we get, and when we are removed from that, um, and then we say that like God, like God is working in this big stuff here and we don't really emphasize these, you know, or we, or we uh, don't glorify the small things. Well, it's no wonder that people um, leave or don't or, or are confused by God or and and what He's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luke dancing in circles. There, could you tell? No, no, you were dancing with wolves. It's called two hundred and eighteen episode. Chasing foxes. That's what one of the women at. The event called us chasing foxes. You can tell they're a boomer when they when they call us that. Well, I think she was a Gen Xer. She was younger, early forties. Uh, you know what? It's so hard to tell. Yeah, but I would say yeah, early forties, very early. All right, it's late. You've got to edit this still. Are you cool <laughs> with editing? <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to edit it? I just I couldn't find the intro and the ad in the Dropbox. So the ad is in under uh not Dropbox in uh Slack. Oh, Slack. Okay. 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 The funny thing was, I ripped apart Dropbox 2 days or 2 weeks ago looking for that damn ad. And then I realized it was in our Slack channel. <laughs> Do you want me to air? I'll just edit it baby. You'll just what? I can I can put it up there. It'll be fine. You think? Yeah. It's only 12 o'clock. <laughs> Luke, uh, do you want to edit this episode? I think yeah. it would be so fun if you edited this. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Do you do want it. me to send you my fancy recording? Or you just want to use the call recorder? Oh, call no, no, no. I'm just going to use a call recorder. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't have time. <laughs> oh, God forbid. <laughs> God forbid, you God, poor soul. God forbid at 12 o'clock, Luke has to teach himself how to move this stuff together and make sure it all works. <laughs> Luke, I'm so excited. I'm going to end my recording in three, two, one.